When I was in New York for the first art show I ever curated, me and my fiance went to the MoMA. That was my first time seeing some of the most incredible paintings by famous artists like Picasso and Van Gogh. One painting I saw, while not being my favorite, did change the way I view art. It was a Jackson Pollock, and in high school we had learned about him, and we had seen his works on the projector, and everyone thought the same thing. Oh, it's just a bunch of splatters of paint. I could do that. I myself being one of those kids, found myself standing in front of this massive painting, just completely shocked at how powerful it felt. You see this painting in person, and it's just huge, and the paint is very thick, and it's all across the canvas. It's a beautiful work to look at, and you can feel the artist's emotions just fill the room as you stare at it. The artist we hear from today is named Adam Riches, and his art is similar to Pollock's in the sense that it's powerful, and it hits you hard. His works feel sometimes overwhelming, and then other times calming. They pull the emotions out of you and force you to be present. I'm your host, Jacob Johnson. This is the Meyer Detroit Podcast, Episode 8, Adam. Yeah, my name's Adam Riches. I'm from Suffolk in the UK. And um, I paint oil, oil paint and draw, mainly. So you were raised in Suffolk? Yeah, I'm originally from a... Um, Ipswich, a town in the in uh, Suffolk, which is in the sort of east of England, south east, about an hour away from London on a train. Um, I grew up here, and um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a uh, there's a lot of um, it's a kind of r- Suffolk's quite rural. There's a lot of um, farmland and quite close to a river, the River Orwell, which is in the <clears throat> which goes out to the North Sea. Um, so there's plenty. So it's all over. It's kind of a urban town. There's a quite close to nature, and Suffolk's really beautiful. Actually, where, where my studio is out in Suffolk is really, really beautiful place, and a lot of people go on holiday there. And yeah, it's a nice place to be. Growing up there, what was life like? What was what did you get into? Well, I come from um, a working class background. Um, Okay, I mean, looking back on it, I mean, at the time, I guess your childhood is you, you don't really have anything to compare it to. But then when you look, grow up and you hear other people's experiences and you kind of compare it, compare it, I'd say that the, the school I went to was kind of rough, I would say. And um, yeah, I mean, it's not a particularly, you know, the area that I come from is not a particularly affluent. So yeah, I mean, it, I don't remember it being particularly encouraged creatively at school. And um, so, I mean, I, I really enjoyed art and art was great, but it wasn't something that was really uh, pushed. That's not the way I remember it. And how did art come into your life exactly? Were you always drawing as a kid or when did art kind of show up? I think my, my dad's, I don't really, my, my dad left when I was about 13, I think. And like my memories are very sort of, pattern i don't have really a lot of memories of my dad being around i mean i remember a li- little bits but I do, I do remember that and he was he was a little bit unsettled and he wasn't particularly the the, the best uh role model if i'm honest but um but i do remember that he drawing with him but a very very early early memory of, of drawing from history books with him and he was quite a bright guy and he was a creative guy if, if he was a little little troubled but he was cr- creative 
and uh, he could draw pretty well. I actually have some of his drawings somewhere in a folder somewhere, but uh, I, d I think I definitely got that creative uh, creativity from him. And then, uh, yeah, I have memories of, um, so that was a positive memory I have of him is um, drawing with him. And, and I think, I think, I don't think it can be underestimated how much small things when you're younger, something like that, somebody introducing you to something like that, uh, carries on in your life. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that that you kind of when you're when you're really young, you kind of copy what you see, don't you? And not so much what you're told. You know, I was told to behave. I was told to do various things that I didn't do, but I kind of copied the things that I saw rather. So I think that that, that him being creative with me did uh, is, is lasted on. So yeah, I mean, then then he yeah he left, and my mum kind of worked really hard to provide for me and my brother and sister she you know she had several more than one job sometimes we don't like to look back to the past but it's when you do that you can often find the reason you have certain behaviors or are drawn to certain things in life adam doesn't have a lot of memories from his early childhood but the one of his dad is very important to him as it's the start of his art journey another thing that adam does remember is being quite an unruly child and running off to get into activities that most 13 year olds shouldn't be doing, like drinking and smoking with older kids. Uh, as in friend friend groups, friendship groups, we'd go and ride motorbikes and stuff in the in the woods and um, go fishing, drink, drink, smoke cigarettes, do things that we probably shouldn't have been doing at that age, but it was kind of normal, you know. We were kind of, we didn't have much. We didn't have we didn't have any money. And we just kind of made our own entertainment, you know, we just, it was a little crazy, but you know, it was some fun time. But um, yeah, I think we, we sort of grew up a little bit faster than I, I think I did anyway. And a lot of, a lot of us grew up a little faster than we should have done. I think looking back on it, maybe they're really, um, like my sister was really well behaved. Like me and my brother were on, but my sister was really well behaved and my, and they both, you know, my brother's really, you know, we've, grown up to be normal functioning more or less normal functioning adults and stuff but like yeah my brother was a uh, um, my um sister sister's uh, kids now they're really well behaved and i look at her youngest and he's he started high school he's 11 i think christ like you're you know i was sort of oh god i mean i think of when i was yeah 11 12 i mean i was listening to like like rap like rap music i should not have been listening to um and I, and I was you know drinking and smoking and stuff and i just think you know thank god that he's not doing that but it's only but that when you're going when you're doing that you don't really have anything to compare it to when you're that age do you, you think well you know you don't really think about it it's what's normal is normal it's only when you grow up and look back in hindsight you think yeah probably, probably should have waited a few years before we started to do that but Looking back on it now, Adam starts to realize how much art really meant to him growing up and how it was really the only positive encouragement he was getting at the time. I think when when somebody tells you that you're good at something, I now look back on this like that that has I think that has an that little bit of encouragement. I think that has such a if somebody tells you you're good at something and you are probably you know you are good at it, that just makes you want to latch onto it and do it, I think. Especially when you're a kid. Uh, so I remember being at like primary school with, like, you know, like being like eight, nine, ten, something like that, and drawing and people, other kids saying, "Oh, that's that's brilliant, that's great," and like 
other kids saying, oh, will you do me one of those so I can take it home to my mum and say that I did it? I remember someone <laughs> saying stuff like that. And and um, I think I did a, and now I'm thinking about it, I did a drawing of some elef- elephants being pushed and it won, it won a prize and it was put into like the National Gallery. It was, it was only probably about like nine or 10 or something like that. But I think a little thing like that gives you I don't remember a lot of things from when I was at school, but I remember things when people have said, or times when people have said, oh, that was good, or gave me some encouragement in that direction. And I think it really, the fact that I remember those things um, above lots of other things that were said to me, you know, I, I think it, I think that sort of um, draw you towards that or push you towards that particular thing. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, so I drew from, yeah, from a young age. Um, then I think in, in high school would have done it in, in art. Adam would go on to tell me he didn't have very many aspirations in life. One big issue for Adam was he didn't have a good role model growing up that could help him find his calling and foster that creative outlet that he desperately needed. Yeah, I don't I don't remember I don't remember there being a lot of aspiration or like thinking, oh, you know, I I could do that. I could I could. I always thought everything else. It was a little bit sad to say, to be honest. But I always thought that everything else was for other people and not for me. I, I never thought. I never thought like like driving, for example. It never like. It sounds bizarre. Like maybe because my mum doesn't drive and my dad. I don't know. He didn't drive. He didn't drive. But I don't know if it's just because of that. But I, I, I had other friends that were driving and they were having jo- you know jobs. I, I just thought. Is that can I, I? Oh, actually, I, it took me until like my mid twenties to to think. Oh, I, actually, I could do that. Uh, I, I, I I could do that. It's, it sounds strange. Maybe I am a little bit strange actually in that in that way. But like, I never thought, even knew that I could aspire to to do something like something that's quite normal, really. Like not that. It, yeah, I mean, it's kind of kind of embarrassing to say, really. When it came time to graduate high school and decide what he was going to do for the rest of his life or what the next step was for him, he had no idea what to do. He was even discouraged to chase his only passion, which was drawing and making art. It's a very tough time for him as all of his other friends had dads and other role models that, you know, they followed and in their footsteps and, and knew what they wanted to do. But Adam just didn't have that. He just thought things weren't for him. Uh, when I, yeah, it was. I remember speaking to a careers officer or advisor when my, when I was at school. Um, I didn't do too well academically at school. I was kind of poorly behaved, um, and yeah, I guess a, a lot of young young lads, young guys in my sort of peer group, we messed around and were quite unruly, I suppose. Uh, when, when it came to like the time when, when it was for the end of us to leave school, I remember having a, a chat with a careers advisor, and she said, "Well," and she said, "Well, what is it that you want to do?" And I, I had no aspiration. I think that was one thing that I kind of made, uh, that I look back on now, and I think that there was no. I don't remember there being any aspiration or any. I wasn't I, unless I missed it. I don't remember people having many aspirations to do anything, and I, I certainly didn't. I didn't even know that. Things like university and I didn't even really think that they were available to me. When she said, well, what do you want to do? And I had no I had no idea. But I had absolutely no idea. I didn't really have uh, any sort of uh, orientation with regards to a career or, or anything, which is kind of sad to say. 
but yeah, I mean, um, and then she said, and I said, well, I really like art, and that was the only thing. That, I mean, I was, I did, I think the last year of school, I, I barely attended school, but I said to her, yeah, I mean, I really like art. I used to go in for art. I mean, it was like a dro- bit of a drop-in center, really, in the last year or so. We just used to go in when we wanted to go in, but I'd go in for art because I really liked art and I really enjoyed it. And I told her that, and she said, well, competitive, and it's very. Um, uh, you know, it's not. She d- discouraged me from the one thing that, that, that I, and she t- she, I, she was only being honest, really. I mean, she was saying it's very competitive, and you know that you, you don't want to hedge all hedge your bets on that. But then, if you've got a, someone who's not doing anything else, then you may as well tell them. Well, I mean, at least do that. I mean, imagine being told the one thing you really care about is probably too far out of reach. I mean, so what if the art world is competitive, right? I mean, because if you love something, you might as well try. Because if it's the only thing you care about, what's there to lose? And then I think probably when I had to the harsh reality of leaving high school, having not been entered for almost any exams and having no academic, real academic prospects. I think when that hit me and I had to get a job, like a a job screen printing in a factory, um, I think like, like creativity just seemed to fall by the wayside. I mean, I just kind of live for the weekends, really. I just get work, get, uh, get paid, go go crazy at the weekend, and then rinse and repeat through you know like the first part of my adult life, really. Which is sounds like it's a complete waste, really. Adam would go on to spend most of his twenties just working and hanging out with his mates on the weekend. While for some, that's all well and good, but for Adam, he felt like something was always missing from his life. And of course, that thing was art. I rediscovered, I used to doodle, I mean, I used to doodle in the, in the pub, like in the bar, on the, they used to, you know, like the beer mats, they have like these long beer mats. Um, and they had like, I remember they had like these big uh, white ones, they were like, uh, with lots of white space on them, and it was in the bar, and I was doodling and drawing and stuff, and... I'd done it all. I was like wasted with a load of mates, and uh, I'd done doodled all over these bar mats. Went into the next time I went into the bar, the guy said, "the the barman who recently taken over the pub said, was it you that drew all over the bar mats last week?'" And I said, "Oh, I thought, oh shit, he's going to make me pay for them, or he's going to throw me out of the pub." And he said, "And I went, yeah, yeah, it was me. Sorry about that. I'll, I'll replace them. I'll pay." He went, "No, no, that's right. He went, can I keep them? Can I have them?" I went. Yeah, I mean, they're yours. Yeah, of course, you you, you, can, you can do what you want with them. Yeah, you can take them yours. But then that, you know, that I think little things like that made me think, oh, yeah, that's pretty good, like, for him to want to keep them. But I didn't really think anything of it, you know? And then it's like, and then I think uh, somebody asked me, but they wanted a drawing of something or someone, and they asked me to do the drawing for them. And then I think that that was my, that was probably my mid-20s, I think. And I I did the, did the drawing for them and then I think oh I kind of enjoy this I want to and I kind of rediscovered it that way and I graduated and then that was how I got back into the I got into the photo realism and then that was then then I then I did like I started putting do you know the side deviant art okay I'm gonna be honest Uh, I had no idea what deviant art was until I started doing this podcast and it seems to be the way most artists started sharing their works online before Instagram came about yeah I, I, I started put putting work on on there like the photorealism stuff and like lots it was like pe- people people saying oh yeah this is great and you know you get like some feedback from people and 
positive something positive and then I think that that gives you the encouragement and then I was doing that for a few years and then I thought I got to the stage where I was doing a job that I, I hated a menial low-paying job I didn't really it, it's completely uh devoid of any satisfaction for me and um I thought oh, okay if maybe I should try and do something with art maybe I should actually you know I, I felt like I had nothing really to lose you know was at this point that Adam just had enough. For him, art was an escape and a way for him to shake up his life. He had to put energy towards something he felt mattered and that brought him true joy. He didn't need to make a living out of it. He just wanted to do it for the joy that it brought him and to just get out of this rut he had dug himself into. And then I thought, right, okay, I'm going to see if I can get a university. And I thought, the university, that, that's not for me. I'm, I, I just genuinely thought that it wasn't that... I wasn't able to go to university. I didn't even know why I thought that, but like, but my girlfriend at the time said, just come on, we'll go to the, when they have an open day, there's a local university, not, not far from me, it's about five, ten minutes away. And uh, we'll, we'll take your portfolio down there on the open day and we'll let them have a look at it and see see what they say. And well, I went down into the, on the day, and the, the tutor there on the fine art stand, um, said yeah i mean um oh this looks great maybe you should um maybe you should apply and i thought well i hope i said i haven't got any academic i don't have the academic requirements to get in but she said well it doesn't matter because you're a mature student so they they have an interview with you i think they just you have to just make sure that you're competent enough to read and write which i always was i mean i'm not stupid but i just didn't have any academic qualifications and um <laughs> she um uh, yeah, and then I had a meeting, I applied, and they, they gave me the place. And I thought, this is great, you know, things. So that was kind of like the beginning of me being, not just making photorealistic stuff, but being sort of, uh, well, do kind of gradually a step towards the stuff that I'm doing now. Do you think it benefited you going to university at uh, a much older age than, like, say, 18? I'll be honest with you, I really... I loved it. And I think if I'd have gone to, and I, if I'd have done that, had that experience when I was 18 or whenever it is you go to university, 18, I, I wouldn't have appreciated it as much as I did when I was th that age. Like being at, there was a lot of mature students there, actually. I wasn't the only one. I mean, there was, there were some people that were much older than me. There was a guy in his, like, who was 60 who was there. I mean, there, there was women, there was a woman, a couple of women who were in their 50s. And there was all kinds of ages. And then obviously there was some younger in their early 20s late teens but there were um yeah i i, I appreciate i mean because i have obviously you have some life experience and you also appreciate that this is you also appreciate what you're doing i think when you're 18 you don't you know a lot of the a lot of the students there were just wanted a party and and uh they didn't really give a shit and i think i would have been the same at, at their age and i think that doing it at, at, in my late 20s that uh, 30 really when i started i think um i appreciate it because i realized i'd like what what i'd missed out on and i thought i'm gonna make the most of this i'm gonna yeah make the most of every minute of it really i don't think i definitely wouldn't have done that when i was younger i know i wouldn't have done so yeah it was great great doing it as an adult i really appreciate i think i got the most m much more out of it than i would have done and did university help you grow as an artist like did it push you to try new things and experiment i think going to university for me wasn't like that to get the academic um the, the qualification it was more to just put myself in a position where i'm just doing that and let's see if i can give everything to that 
and um sit you know and uh, instead of just doing it you know in the evenings as a hobby and putting it online i think i probably you might have even ended up carrying on doing the same thing over and over again you know we'll still be doing that but i think when you go to university and you're opened up to different ideas different artists different stuff that i'd never heard of before you know like a lot, a lot of things that don't interest me but a lot of things that do and i think just being around that and sort of immersed in that environment where everything is about being creative and that's and it's actively being encouraged it was like it didn't feel like work like i'd turn up to the studio i'd be there every every day and you know, i'd love it you know absolutely love it because i thought you know i've gone from doing a job that i hated and i had to be there all day going to something that i really love doing yeah i mean it was a completely um different experience to yeah to be at university and to not just to take what i was already doing and to, and keep doing uh, doing that but like push what i was doing experiment experimenting i think is the key word i think it was the most ex- important thing with, with that was like experimenting with stuff that i hadn't done before like photography and print print making projecting things and stuff i mean stuff that i wouldn't i don't necessarily do now but i guess it looking back on it it makes you think about things in a different way and you know you can kind of get stuck in your sort of linear little path of doing things you know and com- comfort of doing things and i think even if you're trying these things out and doing them and you, it's not for you it still gets you to think about things in a different way so i think they're sort of invaluable that really while in university, Adam would do a few art residencies uh, around Europe and constantly be trying new styles. For a while, he was making very hyper-realistic drawings, but that takes a lot of focus and, and, and concentration and energy, and it's a very long process. Soon he would depart from that into the style he would work in now, which is more of a flow state, where he begins to draw these lines that are almost like scribbles and slowly finds the figure or the image within. Yeah, well, I think when you see that stuff, I mean, even now I look at some of the realism that people do, and I think that's, I still marvel at it, even though I know, like, I kind of have more of an idea of how people do it now. But I mean, people just take things to such a limit that it's it's difficult not to be in awe of doing it. But when it comes to the process of it, I think I know how long, I mean, I'd spend like 40, 50 hours on a sort of A4 drawing. And I just think the thought of doing that now, like knowing what I mean, if I, I don't wouldn't mind spending forty, fifty hours on something that I kind of didn't know what was how it was going to end up. You know what I mean? Like that, that there, I have, there has to be that element of surprise or the element of excitement that keeps my enthusiasm going in the process. I mean, I just think mm, no, I think I, once I've done, once I've realised that I can do that, or I kind of know that I can do something like that, like that, that's kind of like. I'm just going to keep repeat. I'm just going to keep going over and over and doing that same thing again. And yeah, it's, it doesn't, it's just going to be like, it, it'll end up being like a, um, like a, like a, a nine to five job, you know, like you're going to end up get resenting it. I think eventually, unless you really, I mean, unless that's something you really enjoy doing, but I think it's a bit of a tussle between the known and unknown. I mean, you, what that makes it interesting for me, Kind of using some of the skills that you have or that you picked up, you know, your drawing skills, but how or painting skills, but having that little bit of like pushing it in a in a way where you think, well, you know, it could either go, it could either work or it couldn't. Uh, like order and chaos balance, I think, you know, like you have got to have some framework. I think my framework is the is human is is the human figure or faces or what or something along those lines. That's that's the. F- framework that i hang off but then within that the unpredictable element 
within the process. So I have some some uh, something to work towards. I kind of know in some ways what I'm what what the work's going to be. So when did you start posting your work on Instagram, and and when did that kind of take off? I feel like I'm kind of lucky because things have just sort of fallen into place as I've gone along with, with that. I think at the time when I left, I was 33 when I left, and then I moved into the studio space that was in the same university building. And that around that time, I had a girlfriend who who had Instagram. I did not didn't have Instagram. And she said, oh, you should put your artwork on here. I didn't really know what it was. And I started to put my artwork on there, and it was like people really liked it and was positive. It was like deviant art kind of thing but i guess that it's not just people looking for art on instagram is it, it all kinds of people obviously is there, you know everyone or you know people from all backgrounds it's not like deviant art is obviously more is art focused but with that um yeah so i started to build up a following with that and then people started to art said is it is it, are these for sale these drawings and stuff and um yeah i started to sell them a little like that and then i then i met up with a, an agent who was just starting her business off at this similar time. And then she bought five of my drawings and said, I'm going to do an exhibition. Could, do I have your permission to buy them and then sell them on and see how they go? And I said, yeah, great. So I sold her the drawings and she invited me to come along to the exhibition in London and they all sold. And then, um, and she had some other artists in there as well. And, uh, and then I ended up work, have, uh, working with her and selling my stuff through her exclusively. And, she did a lot of art fairs and um, she all over the world. I mean, she went to Hong Kong, Singapore, uh, Europe, uh, US, New York, yeah, all, all over really. And that was really cool. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that kind of it came along right at right at the at the right time, really. Like just as I left university, that sort of came along. That kind of uh, yeah worked out great. And so, do you remember selling your first painting? Um, I, I remember selling a, pa- a painting at when I was at, um, at university and I felt so guilty taking the money from the w- woman. I just said, I'll just give me enough to cover my materials. And the painting's pretty good, actually. Now I look back on it, I think that was all right. I, it's like a big oil painting and I just took like £50 pounds from, from her. Like, I, felt guilt- I honestly felt guilty taking the money from her. And that sounds crazy now. And she was like, oh, is that, you know, is that all you want? I went, no, no, it's fine. Honestly, like, I thought, oh, no, she's, she's going to give me money for it. I can't take money for it. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. It's stupid. But um, that's how I felt. So I sold it for like 50 pounds, like a oil painting. Uh, yeah, I mean, and then I sold, like, on Instagram. I, I never used to say that my work is for sale. And as soon as I said that, people were, like, sending me messages saying, oh, yeah, yeah oh how much is this and I thought oh I missed a trick here like I hadn't I just genuinely hadn't really thought about that like I just thought about this I just love doing it and I'll just do it and then I thought okay well yeah maybe you know if you want to continue doing it you're going to have to sell this stuff and yeah um, so it is nice it's a compliment isn't it when somebody wants to buy you know likes what you do enough to want to buy it I mean it's a really nice sort of really nice feeling how did you feel once you kind of started going to university and you graduated and started selling art? Did you have this moment of feeling just, wow, like I'm not miserable anymore. This is it. You know, I finally, you know, I've gotten out of that rut. How, how did you feel? I do remember like having a particularly, I mean, it was great when I did the, did the actual BA, but at the end of it, and then I, when I thought, okay, now I need to monetize this. And like, when, when I actually able to monetize 
what I was doing and uh, actually sell the stuff. And I thought, okay, I can actually make a go. This actually gave me like a, a, a sense of purpose. And I think that was what I was missing before. Like I've, I felt like I thought I felt there's something I can do. I'm, I, I think I'm creative, but there's something I can do. There's something I should be doing, but I don't know what it is. And I'm just sort of floating through life and it's just disappearing and I'm not living up to any, any sort of, um, any potential and i think yeah not doing that is it's only only from not not feeling like that anymore do i realize how sort of miserable i probably was before if that makes sense you know i'm still so grateful that i'm able to do something that i'm or just to have not even to not even just for a living but knowing that i have this like even if i if i had to stop doing this and i and i had to get a, another job or not you know i had to do something that wasn't this I'd st- I would never be able to stop doing what I'm doing because it gives me a sense of purpose it gives me I think it gives me my an identity that I didn't probably I didn't really have I mean think I'm thinking about this as we're sort of you know as we're talking about it and I think yeah that that's it gave me that I thought okay this is who I am this is who I am like when before I didn't really have that I was just sort of float floating through life really Adam now spends his days creating artworks in a studio space, which is actually located on an old Air Force base. It's pretty cool. He no longer feels miserable and without a purpose. I always knew Adam's work felt very powerful. Within those lines, not only does he reveal to us the figures with, within, but he reveals his emotions and memories. And I think Adam's story is not only an example of how your surroundings shape you, but also a story about chasing your passion. If you love something enough, you can make it work. You know, looking at back on it now, like I think, not just for a, for a job, but if you're a creative person and you're not creative, it can kind of make you a little bit miserable. Now I know know that now only because now I am creative. I feel like the thing that I've had missing all my life is now there, or one of the things that I've had missing is kind of feel a little bit more complete. But it's difficult to know that, it, you know, it, when 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 you're young. And, you know, it's different. I, I, I had no real, I didn't realise that being creative is actually an important line. And if you are a creative person, that not being creative can be a real problem. So I sort of learned that as a, you know, now, now I do it now. I'm thinking, oh, right, yeah, I kind of need to be doing this, really. I can't really imagine not doing it. I hope this episode inspired you as much as it did me. I want to thank Adam for coming onto the podcast and sharing this deep personal story for us. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with anyone you think would find it interesting. This episode was recorded and edited by me, Jacob Johnson. This is the Myers Show Podcast, and I'll see you in the next episode.